Hello, um, I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am joined by the comic book creator, Alison Shelton. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Alison Shelton, then make sure you check out details in the show notes after this conversation to look at all the other things that she's involved with. But this conversation centers around her new comic book, which is called Reburn. As well as speaking about Alison's comics and how the whole process was of creating it, collaborating it with her artist, Elise McCall, and just, you know, general things about how one creates their own comic book. In addition to those things, we also speak about women's voices in comics and other media. We also talk about styles for a little bit. And then we go back to sort of talking about Alison and comics and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of centered around Alison herself and also comic books and some of Alison's opinions on those sort of things. So that's what you can expect from this. It was a really, really fun conversation, and I am no doubt going to be having Alison on once again. And I must do a shout out to Tonya Todd, friend of the show, because she is who connected myself and Alison. So thank you to Tonya for that. And Alison does mention a Kickstarter in this episode. Fortunately, the Kickstarter ended and they managed to hugely exceed what they needed to be able to make the third and fourth issues of Reburn. So make sure you follow Alison on social media and at those sort of places, because then you can find out how to get your hands on these comics and once they've all been printed and released and all those sorts of things as well. But I really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I will be back at the end to give you guys some information on what's going to be coming up and things. And I will just quickly note here that my voice is a little bit croaky today. As you may be to hear it, it seems like I am losing my voice. So apologies in this intro and the outro. My voice sounds a bit weird, but I can assure you in this full conversation, my voice sounds completely normal for me. But thank you as always for listening, guys. I appreciate all of you and I'll speak to you at the end. So without further ado, here is Alison Shelton. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And there we go. Um, I actually oh, got it. Yeah, here we go. No, I actually took off the scary woman Zoom voice because it used to throw off my guests yes. more having it because it was just yes. like, just say, I'm going to press record in a sec. Recording, stop. <laughs> so I... I generally get rid of that, but I do still pre-warn people. But you're sat on an exercise ball, I assume, not just yes. a, a random ball that you found. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have a ball that, just a random ball that large. This, <laughs> it's large. Uh, it is a physio ball, I think is mm. that the official name of it. Um, yes, I sit on it because during COVID, there was, I also got a standing desk, like a cheap standing desk. Oh, because nice. I'm trying to just not sit on a chair because it's just not great for me. No. Like for hours at a time. So. Yeah, I found that. I I sit at at work, I sit on an exercise ball, whatever kind of ball it is, the same yes, ball yes, as you. Um, yes. Yeah, for about two hours a day normally, normally in the morning, in the afternoon, mm-hmm. just because when I started working at the place I work now, because it's so just not moving at all, my knees started to ache. And it's like, I'm not even 30 yet, so my knees started to ache so already. So what's your excuse? Yeah. That's, it, not, that's exactly. not okay. No. Um, yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's just not... I also just don't really like sitting. I'm a person who has never really, I'd rather be walking or doing something or, you know, I just, I like, I can't binge watch shows for the same reason. Mm. I can't imagine sitting for that long. I can watch some every day, yeah. but I can't like just, but I'm a busy person. So I like to move around. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, normally, if I ever I have parties, or rarely nowadays, especially in, in a flat during COVID, <laughs> no, what's not a really. Party? Yeah, not not one of those. No, one of those. <laughs> do you remember those in the ancient times, BC before COVID? Um, I I generally when I'm in gatherings, I prefer to stand up. I like to mm-hmm. move around and things. And um, yeah, me and Megan, we don't binge watch that much. Um, it's normally yeah, just after an hour or so, just kind of need to 
get up, you know, loosen up, uh, and then sit back down again and do nothing for several hours. <laughs> but you are obviously, as you just mentioned, you are a very busy individual, uh, which is one of the reasons you're on the show. Because if you weren't, then <laughs> what would we you talk about? We'd have to talk about, yeah. right, the about awkward. Balls, that would be it. That's yeah. the bouncy, all the varieties. <laughs> so I really like that's tennis balls. That's the whole balls. episode, yeah. actually. Balls. I'm, I'm sure Rhea and Tonya would love to be involved in a conversation all about <laughs> yeah. balls. Um, we should have them join us. Yeah, well, I'll give them a ring now. Mm. I mean, Tonya's yeah. the busiest person on the planet, so we'd have to wait for about two weeks before she gets in but um i mean you've you've done a great amount of things uh recently but the most recent thing you've done is you really say comic um which really? is it's why don't you tell us about the comic rather than me fumbling my way through it <laughs> please then it's you fumbling and not me um <laughs> i've written a comic and created a comic called reburn we're on our kickstarter for a third and fourth issue so our first and second are out. It's a, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic story about a woman, May, who has superpowers, but she's had her memories and her powers taken from her. So it's really about how she puts it all back together, how she finds her partner again, and they find their children, and then what they do with, like, how they, how they rebuild. Like, the whole point, we talked about it a lot, especially right before we launched we didn't really want to make a comic that was about bad shit happening. Hmm. You know, like we just were like, we don't really need to see another woman get treated like garbage for multiple issues. Um, five pages is enough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) then we can move on to her ass kicking and taking back her life. Like that's what we're, that's the story we wanted to tell. We're interested in, um, taking it back, burning things down, you know, her being active and empowered. And Mm. so we just, we we didn't want to do another one of, um, let's show all the ways that this woman has been wronged. Like we all know, we've all read comics and books and and live in this world. (laughs) Um, We don't, yeah, we don't need to spend a lot of time there. So it's, uh, it should be a lot of fun and empowering and uh, gorgeous the art by elise mccall and the colors um that's starting issue two by hillary jenkins i i mean it's amazing i i feel so privileged to be a part of it like because i am not a visual artist so for me it's like i can't really i try to describe it to people how gratifying it is i was actually talking to molly mendoza who does the variant covers for one and two and i was saying when she sent me the sketch for issue one variant it was like I felt seen in a different mm. way. It was like she had seen me and my thoughts <laughs> in a way that I, it was so gratifying, especially as we were all isolated during COVID and I literally was not seeing people um, to have that experience with these women. I deeply admire it was, it, it kept me going in a lot of ways because um, mm. a lot of us I think can relate to feeling like, fuck it's rough out there you know and we were being denied our usual ways of coping and so it was it was a real gift and they've all been such i mean as a bonus they're all wonderful people Mm. yeah i mean definitely during covid i mean it's obviously all the negative stuff aside of covid and there is a lot of it um it's at least given people an opportunity a to either breathe and do certain projects but also Mm -hmm. motivate them because especially individuals like you me or tonya who are like busy bees um you know i launched a second podcast in covid now we're out of covid and everything's back to normal it's like where do i get the time to do it Um, it's really hard right (laughs) yeah i'm having that balance that issue of finding balance of like 
because now all the real world people want to do the things. And then all the virtual people I was doing things with want to do the things. And I'm like, (laughs) I can't be both. I I can't, I have not learned how to clone myself. Yeah. Not yet. Choices need to be made. I mean, that's secretly what Reburn is all about. Reburn. Reburn is all about. I told you I'd do it at least once. Uh, Reburn. God, it sounds like I'm about to say Roberta, but mess it up halfway and give up. Um, I was going to say with Reburn, I mean, there's loads of cool concepts and things in there, um, which I do want to discuss um, them. But I want to ask sort of, so you started this during COVID. Is this something that you wanted? Because I know it's been, I remember reading, uh, I'm going all over the place here. I remember reading, um, I think it might have been in the, Part, I think it was Process in the back of the. It was in the back of the first issue where you've mm. got those, I, and I love these the two pages where it's you and Elise mm. talking. I mm. really, really like that. I think it really adds to well, just a lot. It's, it's really. I, I don't think I've seen that in comics. Like I see in you know certain Marvel comics, they've got the write in mm. things and stuff, and they're okay. But having you discuss with the artist, I found I, I loved it. And in that, I I think there was mention of oh, um, it was in the production for about a year before it got published, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So. How long have you had this idea and was it COVID, just an abundance of time that kind of made you go, nope, now it's time to do it? Or what kind of made you write your own, or, yeah, write your own comic? Uh, well, initially, like many, Jessica Patel, who's like my business partner, she's the editor and producer. We worked together a long time ago, like our mm. first job in Hollywood. Um, we were assistants together. And that was, as you may imagine, not the most fulfilling position one can have. Um, so we became good friends. Uh <laughs> And I had written a screenplay back then that had one of the characters from Reburn in it. Um, And she really liked it. She's like, keep me posted, you know, cut to years later, I'm now mother. And I was less interested in the 20 year old's journey and more interested in the mom and then her children. And that is Violet. The character is one of her children. Um, and Jess read it and was like, you should make this into a comic because she had just recently worked on um, V Wars with, for Netflix, which was originally a comic. So she was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I just worked on the show and this would be a great show and, and comic. And I was like, yeah, I don't have any idea how to do that. That sounds really cool. <laughs> like, what? Um, she's like, no, no, we'll, we'll talk about it. And so she started talking to people and because she had made V Wars, she knew, you know, some people in comics. and. Um, they were like, yeah, everyone has a great comic idea. Everyone tells us this, you know, like, she's like, I have this great idea. It's so exciting. Uh Uh-huh. It's a great idea. You know, pat on the back. Get out of here. Um, And then she's like, okay, well, what do I do? What do I do? If I was going to do it, what do I do? So they started giving her like, okay, you write a script, start contacting artists. So we did. We just started. I wrote a script. Um, We started thinking about artists and we were like, so you just write artists. That sounded like the most bizarre. Cause in, in the movie and television business, you don't write people, mm. you know, your reps talk to their reps and then whatever, you know, something happens or most likely doesn't happen. <laughs> and um, you just email these people, you know, and uh, we, so we did. And I, Elise uh, drew for the comic book man eaters um, with Chelsea Kane and so I had read that book and I really loved it. And so we wrote Elise and then we had a phone call with her and she was amazing. And it was just like this. And I still talk to Elise regularly and we're trying to work on another thing. And um, I, I love her. Like as a person, we've become very close because we, because I don't know, it's this crazy, like uh, anybody who's had a great creative collaboration, it, 
it's a, it's a real relationship. And this Mm. person knows you in a different way than really anyone else. Um, And we have that relationship where we sort of finish each other's sentences and write down what the other one's reading or seeing or thinking or, you know, like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, And we're both real, very fascinated with cults Mm. because of different experiences we've had and reburn, obviously not obviously, but the society, the unity is essentially a cult. Mm. Um, So very early we bonded, like talking about cults and um, her family is from Albany, New York, where Nexium, a very famous cult was. And, you know, they had some contact with those people and I've had contact with. So we have like all oh, these wow. little things in common. Yeah. It's funny how we just like recognized each other. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are certain individuals that one meets uh, and I've met quite a few uh, via podcasting where you just immediately click with and you just, yeah. there's something a weird spark there. Yeah. You know, there's a variety of different sparks, you know, there's a relationship spark mm-hmm. and a more physical side of things spark. But I found mm-hmm. the majority of sparks in my life, I just, I click with someone immediately and I'm just mm-hmm. like within five minutes of talking, I'm like, I don't need to explain myself. If I, oh, normally I explain, talk about, talk to people about certain things. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're going too fast or you're going <laughs> on a million tangents. I can't keep up with you. Why are you saying these things? What's going mm-hmm. on? You know, why are you talking to me? How'd you get in my house? No, sorry. Um, but it's mm-hmm. normally with, you find the right person and it just becomes so easy. And it's so, mm-hmm. it, it's it's so, uh, it's just really pleasant. It's just really nice. And it's it takes away a lot of stress from other things. And so in that 100%. same vein, yeah, exactly. And in that same vein with like collaboration, so specifically with um, Elise and the artwork itself. So I'm always intrigued. I've spoken to a variety of authors and also comic book artists and things, mm-hmm. but I'm always very interested by um, however the person I'm speaking with, what their method is. So obviously mm-hmm. you wrote the script, assumedly, for um, Reburn. And then did you just send that to Elise and go, here you go. And then she kind of did it. Or I know there's rough, I know once again with people when they pick up the comic, yeah, you get to see in the back, which is really good insight into behind the curtain in a sense. But Mm -hmm. from you, like how was that process of trying to translate it from words to page? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, um, I was so nervous, of course, because I'm like, oh, I hope this is the, some, a comic book writer sent me their format. So I adapted, I think it was a Marvel format. Mm. So I kind of adapted it like for my own purposes, because it's not a Marvel book and um, sent it to Elise and said like, does this work? Do you want more or less? Or, you know, because some, you just want to make sure you're not stepping on anyone's toes or I, I do like, I want to make sure that I'm not giving them so much information that they feel like they can't make their own creative choices. Like my goal is to hit that sweet spot where you're offering enough information that they can then go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was the, and so we had a lot of conversations on zoom about the world and the characters and how they got here. And, and I see it all in the work. And, and I'm really grateful that we had that, that time during COVID where I could sit on a zoom call for two hours and talk about uh, character motivations. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I have that time now. Uh, And And I was going to say, when you were talking about a spark with somebody, I think too, another thing it is, is it's validation for me. Mm. It's like, oh, this person sees me and agrees and feels similarly. Um, And then when it's someone that I respect so much that that has a lot of weight uh, for me. So, so we talk, talked a lot um, 
And each issue, we, we have to talk less, right? Because we know these characters better. We know each other better. Um, but that first issue, and then obviously she did all the character designs. Mm. So we had to go back and forth about what they all look like. What does this world look like? How do they wear their hair? What's their clothing? You know, all those things. Um, and I'm just, I'm always like, here's what I have. Let me know if you have any questions. I'm available. Let me know. Um, there's no dumb question. If you just want to talk about it, I'm here. Like, mm-hmm. because I think sometimes people feel like if they have questions, I may interpret it as I've done something wrong, but I don't interpret it that way. I interpret it as they're interested and they want to know more or they're stuck on something and they want help or, and um, so that, so we did a lot of that just kind of, and we were actually talking recently because I'm, uh, we're talking about something, another project. And she was saying, you know, the notes that I give usually are like something that she has been troubled by. Mm. Like she'll see the note and go, Oh yeah, that wasn't quite right for me. Um, and now those are the best notes, right? When, when someone is helping you make the thing that you're making better, not making it into something else, mm-hmm. which, which is a huge distinction. And um, any person who's ever been involved in a creative process knows someone who gives shitty notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and usually they give a lot of them. That's, yes. that's usually a real sign they're giving shitty ones um, is that there's like copious amounts of notes. Yeah. So um, don't even write anything. Let me write it for you. It's like, okay, <laughs> red flag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we don't really see this project the same way. You know, um, and it's like, it's like casting in a movie or TV show. Like if you cast it well as a director, you shouldn't have to do a ton of directing because these people are really talented and they're going to do a great job. It's the same way in this collaboration. Like Elise is amazing. I don't need to hold her hand. In fact, my hand will get in the way. (laughs) You know, she's trying to do something, get out of the way and let her do it. So that's, that's how I feel about it. Mm, yeah if that answers your question it def- yeah it does yeah it's, it's just an insight you know it, i want to this is a highlight of you as an individual and it just so happens that you as an individual at this moment in time the sort of the the focal point is reburn so that's mm. one of the things so anything that makes you tick whether you want to talk about it's free game however you want to express it you know i quite like open-ended questions in a lot of ways to people because it's just kind of fun to see how mm-hmm. uh, how they interpret it so you know and with especially with characters and things, I think one of the things I've really grown to appreciate uh, and one of the things that I've actually got some disdain for on the opposite side is in comics, the uh, the artists I don't think get enough uh, credit. And when I've spoken to, you know, uh, certain um, artists and things or, or authors who do comics and whatnot and you hear, oh yeah, the artist, it does minimum half of what i do like i write i write the script but they're the ones you see what you're seeing that's them i've vaguely i've been like you know there's a fight scene in a bar and then you've got like 12 pages of insanity and they're like yeah i didn't write any of that i said maybe throw them into a table or something and that's it and you see the artist write like that for sure i mean because i've i've seen them and i've talked to artists who'll be like sex scene you know, I mean, that's not how I write sex scenes. It's like the hand goes here and this goes here and she's there. And this is how, you know, because for me, that's all really important in the relationship, right? Mm. Because like, if she's on top, it's a very different thing than if she's not on the top, like yeah. we're right there is a big difference. So I'm not just like, Hey, uh, go at it. You know, like, um, cause that's not, that's, that's not me, mm. but there are people who write like that. And I think it's, I, I agree that artists don't get enough like applause and attention, which to me is so 
strange because mm-hmm. at least my husband and I, we can like a book's words, but if the art is not our thing, especially me, I won't read it. Mm. I've been, a, I've, been mean, I've read a few of those. I'll be like, this just isn't, there are certain types of art that I'm just like, uh-uh. I, I just can't um, do it. And I will read a book that I might not care about as much if I love the art. And I don't think I'm the only one who looks at comics that way. They're comics. It's not a novel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's so emotional and it tells stories in a different way. And you want it to take advantage of all the, all the positives of comics. You want to take advantage of all those if you're telling a story. Um, I'm totally one of those people too. If there's too many words, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I, it's like homework. I'm reading, my husband gave me the Black Widow Omnibus for Christmas. Um, I don't know if you've ever read an Omnibus, but um, I have I have like, read them, yeah. Not, not those ones specifically, but I have read an Omnibus, but it's just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> so you, when you read a comic, especially if it's a single issue or trade paperback, it's like, oh, I'm getting through this quite quickly. When you read yeah. a book with short chapters, you're like, oh, I'm doing great. When it's like a really mm-hmm. long chapter, you're like, when is it going to end? I'm getting exhausted. Mm-hmm. And when it's an Omnibus, it's like, am I ever going to finish this ever? Yes. <laughs> here is my Omnibus. It's sitting right here. And I've read this much. Nice. Which is significant. It's like 300 pages. It's like 1971. Um, and I mean, all all the love to Stanley and Jack Kirby, but like, that's a lot of words. <laughs> I've felt the same. When I've read, um, I've read a bit of uh, Alan Moore and I'm getting into oh, yeah, Neil Gaiman as well. Time. And it's like, you, know, you read Miracle Man, Alan Moore, and it's fun- the ideas in it are phenomenal. When he gets yes. it right, it's some of the best comic writing yes. ever. But when he's getting there you're reading it and you're like i was reading the first uh book of, of miracle man and i was like this is good but there's a lot and i don't see why people hold this in such high regard and then book two i was like, okay i'm starting to get it the book three i was like oh my god this is the, one of the best things i've ever read but it's like no book one is still for me not and it's same with with neil game and alan moore and some of the sort of um the heavy hitters of especially the comic world when mm-hmm. it's like oh here's a comic okay it's gonna be pictures you open it it's like no here's a picture and here's all the narrative around it oh it's a speech bubble that's not a speech <laughs> bubble it's a whole speech panel a with a bubble yeah. of the character <laughs> yeah pretty much and i'm just like nope and it's funny because i read a lot of books a lot of books i'm a big reader that's fine it's a book but like for me a comic uh-uh. yeah it's weird i I'm not there for it. I think too, because oftentimes those books that are like that often are like steeped in mythology mm. and have like all of those references. I don't know if you've read the new Wonder Woman by Kelly Sudaconic, the like, uh, it's got a name and I can't think of it, but it's like a, it's like a big book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of mythology. Um, and I just completely check out. Like <laughs> I, yep. It's called, I call no. it almost the uh, the intellectual threshold. Not not against. It's that okay. made it sound like I was. It's okay. It I made it sound like I was calling stupid, you stupid. No, just... that's not what I meant. But sometimes when, you know when you're reading something and either you're tired and you haven't got enough bandwidth in your brain, yeah. or like with I use Alan Moore. Sometimes he'll do basically poetry in his narrative, and I'm like, this uh-huh. is above my yeah. threshold. Mm-hmm. You can talk. You can do crazy poetry and clever wordplay and reference something in the final page that you did in randomly a middle bit of dialogue on the second thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't have that capacity. 
I'm I'm a generalist in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be that clever, it will go right over my head. Mm-hmm. I'd have to read it like five or six times to get there. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. Not, yeah, you're just dumb. You don't get it. You don't get the <laughs> Wonder Woman mythology. Obviously. No, I, I've not read that. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, it is true. Obviously, it's Wonder Woman. <laughs> so yes, obviously. But it's like when hobbits start singing. I'm like, oh, I'm out. I don't. Yeah. I'm not here for the singing. Actually, um, so that's sort of how I feel about those things. There's certain things that when they happen now, I've read enough stuff that I'm like, oh, this isn't for me, you know. And I don't like feel. I used to feel apologetic, like, oh, I gotta like all the things that are important um, because I have an MFA from film school. So there, and I was, you know, there were far fewer women than men. So mm-hmm. I was always like, I've seen all the important movies. I've got an opinion on all the important movies. And now I'm just like, you can take your important movie. Like, I don't, I don't need to watch another Scorsese movie. <laughs> I know what it's going to be about. And I know that lady's going to get raped and killed. So I don't need to watch it, actually. Um, and I'll never get those three hours back. So yeah. um, I've gotten better at just being like, that's not actually for me. Yeah. That movie's not for me. Um, but it is for a lot of people and they love it and it's well done. Yeah. You know. Here's one of those things as well where, you know, I've found, especially as I've gotten older, mainly it's, I think it's mainly once you get a full-time job more so, is when you go, oh, and then you, when you have a full-time job and then you've got a million projects on the side or when you have mm-hmm. a podcast, you know, when you start f- spending your free time doing love work, which is stuff you're passionate about that doesn't pay the bills. And it's like mm-hmm. such a huge amount of your time is working, even if it's fun work. So you're like, okay, I only have if I'm lucky, a couple of hours a day to do anything that's actually fun that I don't have to work at. Because even me, I read books and comics, but I have a podcast about them, so I normally have to make notes while I'm doing it. So it's mm-hmm. like, even my fun things, sometimes I have to add work to them. So with that, it's like, oh, I've got a couple of hours. Do I want to spend two hours watching a film I'm probably not going to like? Hmm, not really. Do I want to watch something that's almost guaranteed? Yes. I don't really <laughs> personally watch very many depressing people movies. I love people movies. I think some of my favourite movies ever, Peanut Butter Falcon or Way Way Back and things like that, they're so heartwarming and I love it but you get other films which are just horribly horribly depressing for the whole film and then it like bridge to Terabithia which sucks and then the end is awful and you're like why why would anyone make this film it's the most depressing horrible film ever and it's not even good it's it's a bad movie and then it makes I you want to die it. at the end don't yeah oh <laughs> it's rough it's yeah. not a good film uh, there's a lot sense. of depressing mo- and that used to be my genre to mm. be honest like when i was in film school i was like foreign depressing movies i'm there you know mm. like i will watch the shit out of that stuff um and i went back like 10 or 15 years later i was like oh my god <laughs> this is terrible like I, it's beautiful mm. don't give me i mean the the craft is incredible and that's part of what i loved about them but i and I, I try to do this with Rebird and the screenplay I'm writing and the essays I'm writing. I try to be engaging and talk about real stuff, but not just make people want to like curl up in a ball and give up on life. You know, it's like, that's not, I don't want that to be the end result. I want people to feel, because I finally realized it took me a while um, that I should work on things that I would want to watch yeah, or read or consume. And these people who don't like my, that stuff, they're not my audience. They're literally never going to like my stuff, no matter how much I try to be this like cool chick who likes all the things and is smart and tough and all that. Like, they're just going to be like, that's a chick. <laughs> we don't care what she is. She writes stories about women. Like in film school, very early on, 
I got so much just garbage feedback in film school. And one of the first like cr- criticisms or compliments I got was, I like that you use hot actresses. Please keep doing that. Okay. Yeah. That's then I can sit through your stuff, Jeez. basically. Yeah. And it's like, okay, um, what do you say to that? You know, like, oh, thanks. Uh, no, thanks. I, I think I was just stunned. I got used to it as time went on. But um, yeah, I mean, I always wrote things about women and I always have because, huh, spoiler, I'm a woman <laughs> and I don't think there are enough stories about us. Mm-hmm. Um, that are not like kind of the same tropes that get explored over and over again. Um, and the amount of criticism, it's like, just, well, I wouldn't watch this. Like, no shit, not for you. <laughs> I, I know you're not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch your coming of age movie that's centered around football, unless it's really excellent, which it's not going to be. No. Um, so it's, Anyway, that's uh, my tangent about, I was reading an essay. I'm going to finish it with this. I was reading this amazing essay by Melissa Vibos, who I deeply admire. She's a memoirist and um, she wrote this book called Body Work. And it's about, and you can't see it because I'm blurred, but um, (laughs) she talks about how there's chick lit and chick flicks Mm -hmm. and how nobody talks about dude lit or dude flicks because, well, that's the default. Mm -hmm. Those are flicks. Those that's lit. and it's minimizing. I got that a lot in film school too. Oh, so you're going to make Lifetime movies as if that would be the worst thing I could ever make. Mm-hmm. Lifetime is a female-centered network that I have never written for, but I would be happy to be paid and write for Lifetime. Um, but like that, that was the only space we're allowed is, you know, chick stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, I don't really think my writing is like that. Um, and I'm really proud of Reburn because it is about women. And if there was a character and I, the character didn't need to be a man, I made that character a woman mm-hmm. because I love to see a comic page populated with women. You don't see it very often. And when you do see it, like I did in issue three, when the, the inks came through, it kind of hit me. I haven't seen a page where there's just five women talking about something, Mm. you know, um, it's those little acts that feel powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I I think what it is, is, and I want to clarify, because if people have listened to, uh, one of my old, older, not old enough, one of my previous podcasts, I did use the word chick flick and I got absolutely railed for it because I didn't even, yeah. (laughs) I think you used it in the one I listened to. That's the one I was referring to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was, um, yeah. Rhea and Tonya and Megan all railed me for it because, (laughs) and you know, after being railed for it and reflection, I'm like, yeah, what everything you said makes complete sense. And yeah, my, uh, my sister-in-law calls certain movies dick flicks to kind of counter it. I, you said that too and i thought that was yeah i mean i mean it's not I, common enough it. but yeah it's, no it's one of those things i think like fast and furious are kind of counted but she also said like scott pilgrim versus the world is kind of a dick flick yeah. yeah and i mean that's one of my favorite films ever so i'm pff, happy i like happy scott that. pilgrim too but it is a dick flick yeah probably because of the point of view and the center of his you know centering his experience but that is the default too yeah well, that's what i was going to say is the problem is is that especially as and this is what I, I try and do on my show as best i can but obviously i'm not perfect uh, unfortunately um but you know as a <laughs> as a you know millennial uh white dude in england you know 
and also not growing up like ridiculously poor either i am not in any of these downtrodden uh social demographics or anything like that so all i can do is try and listen to people who are just any vaguely different from me and hear their perspective and one thing i really found that struck me um especially i spoke to um some friends of mine who do the in the black podcast um and they're three black gentlemen from america and they talk about the experience from a black perspective and they were saying that when they were younger before reading certain comics when they would imagine themselves as superheroes they would imagine themselves as white because you didn't have many black superheroes and when i hear things like that i'm like oh my god like that's the kind of thing where when i think okay my perspective although i've got a podcast which is me narrowing on about what i think is that we need to change what the default is the default shouldn't be me you know there's enough of things that i can i can consume media in any conceivable facet and i can find a positive role model for someone who looks sounds acts whatever like me and we don't need necessarily any more of that we've got a lot of that if there's more cool stuff with that and it's important to the plot whatever but when you've got the choice where it you know as it should be it doesn't matter someone's gender or ethnicity or really majority of things that make a person a person the individual strokes don't change who they are and it doesn't define who you are so if you can just have a character who is who's got a story to tell if their gender doesn't matter which unless the story is explicitly gender specific then why not have them as a, a woman if it still works you know why not do these things and i think that when big characters change like there was the doctor who change that some people were annoyed about and it was just like we've had so many male doctors just try it you know all that happens is you try this thing and if it's not that great you've still got all this other cool stuff it's not like right here's the woman doctor we're deleting every essence of every male doctor that's ever been ever and if you read any male doctor stuff then you're getting put in prison it's like no all this stuff is still here let's add different things and in a really long way of saying it i think with reburn i found that it never felt to me like it was written by women for women. You know, I'm not saying that is the, necessarily the goal, but when I was reading it, I wasn't like, oh yeah, this obvious bit is because, you know, none of that. I was like, this is just a really cool story, which has got so many cool ideas and so much world building and a mixture of so many genres and things. I was just like, this would be a phenomenal TV show. If this was a movie, I'd probably be like, we need to have a series of these because you're not going to get all this cool lore into one or you're going to ruin it. So I was like, there's so many cool elements of it that I really appreciate. So I want to clarify to any listeners, you know, pick up Reburn, but don't think of it like, don't, don't wrongly assume it's by uh-huh. women for women. It's uh-huh. just a really cool comic that happens to feature women that was also the creative team is women. So that's the kind of I'm waffling on about my perspective on these things is That's quite all right. It is your podcast, so you're you're allowed <laughs> you're to be in your though. space. I know, but I, I mean, I think that lots of times those reactions, because obviously we went through that reaction too when like we had female four, and I mean, you know, lots of uh, reboots and and um, yeah, it doesn't erase what's come before, and there still will be plenty of cis white straight dudes doing stuff. Like, don't worry. But I think being decentered. It's just really uncomfortable for some people and they mm. perceive that as discrimination. And um, it's not, you know, it's not coming from an anti-white man space. It's coming from a pro let's represent other. And, and in that, in that vein, I mean, Reburn is very uh, racially diverse and um, we have characters who are not cis and um, um, that was something that was really important to us. Um, the main character is not white. And most of the characters aren't white because it's set in the future. And I mean, if we're all being honest, like 
going to be less white people. So mm-hmm. get ready for it. Um, I think that <laughs> some people, and I think for some white people, that's deeply uncomfortable. That notion of, you know, cause there's, there's a lot of power inherent in just waking up being born white. And I think it makes people uncomfortable to own that because mm-hmm. they feel like it takes away from what they've accomplished or um, what they've been through. And, and I think the more you actually reckon with those larger questions, the less that becomes the case. I mean, I'm happy to say that I have privilege. I do. I walk through the world as a white woman. I have privilege. It doesn't lessen the challenges that I've gone through in my life because um, it's not a competition. Uh, so I, I don't think um, the same book, she re- she talks about how people say there's not enough room for all this representation or all these different narratives. There's you know, only room for so many. And she says, you know, we got to make the room bigger. We don't have less narratives. We have a bigger room. And I thought that was really well put. Mm. And because I truly believe that everyone has a really fascinating story to tell. And I have like on my Instagram, on my Instagram live, I have people come and share poems based on this poem where I'm from by George Allen Lyon. And I've done like 23 and I've loved hearing each person's poem and talking to them and seeing how we share things, all of us, and how the super personal actually ends up feeling universal. You know, it's, it's really powerful. And when it becomes less about competition and more about raising all of us up, I think that's really life affirming. Um, it doesn't mean it's easy, but like, what is easy actually? Most boring I think, things. Are they even, I, there's, those aren't easy for me. Those are so painfully like awkward <laughs> and dull, you know, it's just like, oh God. Um, and I find people who are like in denial about the world or their own family or their own life, like to be so, it looks hard. It looks hard to me, you know? So I don't, you know, there, there's power. There's like joy in accepting, but life's full of challenges. Let's all help each other. You know, it doesn't make me a Pollyanna, but even if it did, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So that there, now I can get down off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are um, on a podcast to talk about whatever you so desire, including the importance of Reburn and the many uh, well, parallels, social commentary, however one would like to interpret it. Mm-hmm. It still has a lot to say. You know, if you, you can just read it and be like, this is a really cool sci-fi novel. Right. And that it works right. really well. That's the right. way I first read it because mm-hmm. hey, I'm a massive sci-fi nerd. So that's how I try to read everything, Good. even if it's not. I'm glad it, it checked <laughs> that box. I mean, because that's what you were trying to do, right? Like what I was saying earlier, you want it to be enjoyable yeah people don't want to have homework for their free time (laughs) oh okay i'm gonna watch this movie because this makes me a good person you know like no (laughs) that's not that's not a business strategy like you you have to engage people yeah I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I've literally got here written down the the some of the notes I've got is just to v- vague things that would work to explain um, just an element of Reburn, which I've got sci-fi, fantasy, superhero, relationships, world building, social commentary, and dystopia. And that's just literally, that's from the first issue. And that's just a, 
array of footnotes and the first issue is just the introduction mm-hmm. you know really to the wider world to the main characters and things um obviously there's some really cool stuff along the way you know there's especially the the bit with a lot of blood i thought that bit was ace <laughs> and i was that like was very cathartic for all of us we really enjoyed that i could imagine I'll admit it yeah when those pencils <laughs> came, it was like yes i yeah it's fun to kill people who suck yeah. Like that's, that's a fun part of writing things and creating things. It's like, cause unless you're a murderer, that's not how the real world works. You know, I, I'm not a murderer, so I haven't done that. So it's fun to do that in fiction, to have that like, oh, they're done. No more. So. Oh yeah, totally. It. With a character like that as well, when you, you know, when you're introduced to this character, one maybe two panels and you're like yeah this guy's a piece of shit (laughs) straight away you're like i hate everything hate everything they're doing and it's like oh is this gonna be you know very Mm -hmm. not i'm trying not to spoil any part of it but just talking about issue one is just one of those things where it's like i don't want this person Mm -hmm. to be in it and be this big bad forever and have to you know kind of as you alluded to at the start where she don't want to have to watch this woman suffer just for ages whereas it's like no you can see the pain they went through you can see you can see the residue suffering you get to see glimpses of it that's all you need to know you need to know there was suffering you don't need to literally watch it happen to know it happened you you and elise both do such a good job of illustrating and alluding to things that you don't need to blatantly be looked at in the face and be told you know abusive you can pick (laughs) that up from what happened and after the fact and then how the other characters then react to things after it so i think that the way you tackle that element of things it works really well both just as a story it's thrilling but also when you look deeper into it it's Mm. really well thought out i found thank you i really appreciate that i and i agree and i think that's when things kind of go into trauma porn right when we have that kind of like here we are and this person's like getting the shit kicked out of them like wow you know and that's something i think about as a writer i have a screenplay and someone is dealing with things like that and it's like so what do you show and how do you show it and and at what point in the narrative and um those are all questions because i think a lot of people and characters have experienced terrible things so how do we um how do we as a creative team respect those even fictional experiences because someone who's reading it has been through something like this is going to bring stuff up for them, you know? And so how do we, how do we handle that with care and how do we handle it so that they feel like, yeah, because that's how I want them to feel when they finish an issue. Like, yeah, I want to keep reading this because this is maybe making me feel some things that are a little uncomfortable, but it's making me feel hopeful and like excited about where this is headed not again curled up in a ball wanting to solve so that's, yeah that's my pitch um it's, it's about projection in some ways as well isn't it is that people mm-hmm. perceive characters and project upon them and as i said you know earlier being cis white male you know it's easy for me to project because so many characters look like me mm-hmm. but when you have it where there's important social elements you know kind of less is more in a lot of ways and when it comes mm-hmm. to the either the blatant abuse or the uh sort of alluding to there being some fairly obviously the good thing is with elements of that and when you see a character overcome it is that anyone who has been through something that's difficult like that they can you know you don't to be somewhat vulgar if someone's been sexually abused and you see it happen and then they get revenge like go with the dragon tattoo for example then a lot of people who 
consume that content, who've been through something like that, they'll see, oh, you know, I've been through the sexual assault. So that's somewhat, um, the word isn't gratifying, cathartic, maybe for cathartic, me. Yeah. But if it was just a vague abuse in some ways, even if it's, you know, because abuse is also such a wide spectrum of, you know, horrendous things that can happen to people. And so if you yeah. just allude to the fact some has happened, but then you get the aftermath, then I feel like a lot more individuals can then also connect to it as well without people being turned off by the you know just ha- ha- the triggering a nature and the of, that horror of it yeah. i mean i haven't seen that i don't want to see that movie mm. because i don't need that in my brain yeah you know like i got enough um <laughs> life has had enough yeah. stuff for me and you know and other media mm-hmm. and i think um and and like she doesn't need to be like that abused to want to do the things that she does. Hundred percent. Um. So, yeah, I, we talked a lot about Elise and myself. We talk a lot about how comics have this ability to make things that are implicit in relationships explicit, and because you know most of us or most or someone we know has been in in some kind of abusive relationship, and Sky and May, the two main characters, are in very explicitly abusive relationships, but not getting punched and hit, you know, mm-hmm. in different ways and um, where the sci-fi play, plays into it for sure. And, um, and that's sort of the fun of the genre is that you can, in comic books, you can make this stuff explicit and people can, um, like you say, project themselves onto it. They don't have to like see something that they've actually been through. And I think there is safety in that, or that distance feels a little bit more manageable. Mm. Um, and seeing someone get hit and they've been hit, you know, that feels kind of like, whoa, that's really close and yeah. um, potentially triggering or uncomfortable where, you know, someone's getting controlled by a drug or protocol. That's a little different mm. um, than being like tied up. And I mean, that's a thing that I'm not going to do. I don't like that. Whenever I see a woman tied up, I'm like, Oh, fuck this again. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, we were just rewatching like all the MCU movies with my younger child because he had never watched them, and he was like, "Let's watch them all." <laughs> like, okay, because um, certain ones I just never watched, like because I don't like elves, so I had not watched Thor: The Dark World, which I <laughs> which still is, stand by that decision. By the way, yeah, um, it's not considered. It's probably considered one of the worst <sighs> MCU movies, and I it's, it's definitely in the rough. bottom five. <laughs> I think it is in my bottom five for sure. Yeah, it's just like, why are we here? on this planet anyway um but we just rewatched ultron where like black widow is tied up and i was mm. like come on really you know i i'm uh, it's like leia you know like i don't need to see that why are women always getting tied up mm. i'm not a fan not a yeah. fan <laughs> and you're fair to me i mean I, it makes it sound like i'm just uh what's it virtue signaling but because i came in to star wars younger <laughs> I'm 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 a, I prefer older Leia. I prefer Leia from the sequel trilogy. Although I think the original trilogy of movies is better, and the sequels have some issues. It's like older Leia. I just think is a much more interesting, more well-rounded character, and really cool. And because when I was young, I was so young when I watched Return of the Jedi, I was like, oh, there's a woman in a bikini. And then when I grew of yeah. age, it, it was already just oh, but that's that's Leia in a bikini. She's that's not. I I never viewed her as a sexual object. Which is, you know, not that I've not done that for other people in movies. That's I'm not trying to be like, I'm perfect. I've never objectified a woman in my mind, ever. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. 
<laughs> well, and she is very much set up to be objectified. I mean, if you did, it wouldn't be like you're really out of the park with that one. Like, I mean, that's what's happening in that scene. I didn't yeah. have that experience of it either. It's just later over time, as you see that image again and again, it's like, oh God, and read about Carrie Fisher's experience of shooting it. And, you know, yeah. it's it's uncomfortable. And yes, people have issues with the sequels, but my husband and I have had this conversation. I'm always like, what do people expect? Like, do they expect some fresh, like amazing new retelling? Why would they expect that? The prequels are garbage. <laughs> like, they're not garbage, the sequels. I mean, I guess I'm just more realistic in my, like, expectations. There were some cool scenes. You know, there was some cool fights. I, I, I liked some of the characters. Like, I just feel like Star Wars is a really problematic uh, property. And... I think it's hard to satisfy the fan base. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I will say that as much as I adore Star Wars and it's my favorite thing in the world, and you will not offend mm-hmm. me, don't worry. Um, but <laughs> and it's, it, I will say the fandom of Star Wars is probably, if not the worst fandom in the entire galaxy, <laughs> uh, one of them. It's it's awful. It's I, I see a lot really of memes rough. where it's like, who hates the the people who hate Star Wars more than anyone else is Star Wars fans. Right. <laughs> so most people are like, yeah, I don't mind Star Wars. It's all right. But then you get us fans. Yeah. We're like, it's the best thing in the world. Or we're like, it sucks. Whereas me, I'm just yes. like, I just love it all. I'm just happy. Happy with all right. Star Wars. You know, be right. Are you just happy to love it? Like, huh? that's sort of how I feel. It's like, yeah. if you love it so much, unless it's just complete trash, which... Yeah. I felt that way about the prequels, but I know people don't feel that way, but I lived it and like saw them in the theaters and was like, Oh, it's still garbage. Like every movie that came out, I was like, hope, you know? And by the third one, my husband's like, Oh yeah, we got to go watch it. You know? And we were like on location and shooting something. And I was like, I do not want to spend like my three hours or whatever going, of course he won. And we went and saw it. And I was like, are you happy now? (laughs) That's not what I told you. So face, I don't know what it is. Yeah. So uh-huh. we've been down this road so, before. Yeah. You know what this lo- you know what I'm saying. I don't need to say it, but you know. I get that look so, too from Megan. <laughs> for me, the sequels were more satisfying than the prequel. And like, because there was just there were just better movies. I know yeah. it was a retread of the original. Um, oh yeah. But there are a lot. You know. I mean, I love all styles, prequels, sequels, and originals. Um, but I can see like yeah. I mean, I grew up with the prequels though. So for me, I've it's different. Star Wars Your emotional for me is attachment always, to them is different for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've always grown up. I remember. I don't remember a time in my life where Phantom Menace uh, didn't exist, and I remember Attack of the Clones right. a bit. So it's like for me, it's always you know I've got the originals, and you got Jar Jar. So for me, it's not been that time where I had to wait and I had to absorb Star Wars without it. It's yeah. always just kind of been part for a of long it. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they re-released the original ones, and they oh. were amazing, and they were gorgeous. And you got to see them in theater on the print. You know, I mean, it was just like, yeah. And then they were like the pre what. I mean, it was just—it was just oh, it's just Andy. Oh, she's yeah, Anakin is like a child. She's interested in him. Like as a grown-up, it was like she wants to date him. Like she's dying because she loves him. So he sucks, and he's a child. What is happening? This was written by a man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're echoing a lot of points when Megan said she was like, Anakin just sucks so hard. Why is he, he's just the worst. He's just a whiny little bitch. And she's like, well, Luke was a whiny little bitch in the originals, but right. he was more bearable than Anakin being a whiny little bitch. <laughs> and Luke wasn't the love interest. No, exactly. You know, like he was a whiny little bitch, but you had Han Solo. So, you know, okay. I mean, although I was young, so I did like Luke. And I look back on it like, oh, that's embarrassing. 
<laughs> like we showed it to my kids. We, my younger one just does not have time for it. He does not care. And he was like, why is he so tan? Like that was his big note on Luke. Like, well, he lives on this like desert planet. You know, there's a lot of sun. Ugh. It's not believable. Like, okay, that's not believable. Of the things in Star Wars, Luke is too tan. That's the thing that's taking you out of it. Okay. Well, I suppose any any reason, uh, any reason mm. uh, at all. Um, yes, we but are, Anakin sucks. Yeah, and I mean, I love Star Wars in many facets, but Anakin is not an individual character. I especially love. So, yeah, such a missed opportunity, to be honest, because he should have been so compelling. Mm. and charismatic like because darth vader even with all this shit going on is real compelling not just because he chokes people you know like <laughs> anakin you feel like oh he i mean it, it was such a, he could have been amazing mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing that's disappointing you're like this is like potentially just a, you could have hit this out of the park but no they just uh he's just kind of a douche had jar jar in it and then it kind of <laughs> fell apart from there i mean there's other issues with the prequels on a cliff. i always rail on jar jar but there are some very glaring he's easy issues. he's easy yeah jar it's jar. quite easy it's not like anyone's ever gonna be like but jar jar yeah no one, unless you're over the you know if you're over the age of like 12 maybe 14 at a push you're like yeah jar jar sucks but when you're when there's kids i would not say that around my friend's kids necessarily because i know friends of mine's kids love jar jar and that's fine I, okay. yeah well, that's interesting. my kids hate it yeah i mean i hated yeah. it when i was a kid as well but there were yeah i mean megan when she was a kid liked him and now she's like what was i thinking like, well not a lot you are a child <laughs> let's be honest here you know there's a lot of things you didn't know how racist it was yeah. you were just like oh that's a funny voice yeah not oh like, he's silly and funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's gross yeah well, um, when I, <clears throat> excuse me, as much, my voice has gone all funny. How fun. Have you swallowed a fruit fly? <laughs> no, not, not this time. I might have done, but I didn't feel it go in. Um, okay. Which, Cause that, that could do sentence. it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that sentence could have gone very differently. Um, but no, um, no, there's no, well, there aren't any more flying around my room actually, which is quite worrying. So maybe I did inadvertently uh, swallow mm-hmm. a couple of them. Um, but as we round up and get towards the end of this, um, I did want to ask sort of, with the with comics in itself, sort of, do you? I know you've got um, with the Kickstarter, you've got issues three and four, and at the end, I'll let you plug all that sort of stuff. I'll put links in the description, etc. But with Reburn, do you have like a, a long term plan with that? Is it going to be like a without? You have to spoil things. You can tell me nothing. But is it going to be like a limited se- series? Is there a long term plan for it? I know you've got the other project as well, which I won't ask about. But like, what was the? Uh, we've heard sort of why you kind of started it, and mm-hmm. a lot of the information about Reburn. But what have you got? For the future of Reburn, what do you want for it? And what do you kind of mm. want people to experience? Through? I know it's down to interpretation, but what would you love for people to experience in Reburn as well? Well, the, the first four issues are the first arc. So we were we were committed to finishing the first arc on Kickstarter. Once we had the first one that was successful enough that we were like, okay, we can do this. Um, we want to continue on. To me, it isn't a limited series because like you say, there's a lot of world building mm. and, and there's potential for spinoffs. Like we have characters that, are in different spaces that could be spun off. And one is inspired by my friend, Anjali Bamani, who is going to be a Ms. Marvel. So we're like super excited for her. Um, and she's the voice of Symmetra and Overwatch and um, Rampart, Rampart and Apex Legends. So she comes with her. She, lots of fans come with her. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, Laura Vandervoort, who's a friend of Jessica's. Um, there was a character that was inspired by her. Um, and Laura's was Supergirl on Smallville. So um so those would be fun to expand on and we would like to continue reburn. We're going to, um, you know, we're hoping to find a publisher because it, it's a lot for the two of us to manage and 
the Kickstarters and the finances and just running the business. And we would kind of like to level up and reach out to more people. Um, and we're hoping that these four issues, it's like, okay, we have proof of concept. We, we've proved that we have a story to tell and that we continue to tell stories and that we have fans. And so that's our hope is to just continue doing it. Um, because Elise and I love it. You know, Hillary, the colorist, Joe Matt, the letterer, like we all have had a really positive experience together. And um, I think anyone who has had collaborations, sometimes they're not as positive as others. And so when it is, it's like, oh, we really want to keep doing this. Um, and like, I have, I haven't been paid, Jess hasn't been paid, but we do pay Elise and Hillary and Joe Met um, and our cover artists, we do pay them market value for their work. So that has been when there are moments when I'm like, why are we doing this? This is a lot of work. <laughs> I am grateful that we're paying these people who I so admire and giving them from what they tell me a positive work experience. Like that's not nothing, you know, doing that is, is like saying something, putting something out in the world. Like I want to pay because once you get to know artists, you also get to know how many people ask them to do work for free, which I'm just mm. like, why it's so much work for them. Like it's so much, it's intense labor for them. Why would they work on your idea, Rando? Like they're going to work on their idea or their husband's idea or their friend's idea, their mom's idea. Like they have plenty of people who have ideas. Um, so we were, it was always our intention to, to pay everyone um, because I feel we both feel like, especially when people are, although they're very accomplished, but when people are, they can, people do that thing where they go, oh, it's a great experience you know, we don't pay much or we don't pay at all, but it's for experience. It's like experience doesn't pay your bills. Experience doesn't pay your rent. Like it's important to pay people fairly for the work that they do. Completely. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where and it, whenever anyone's in any kind of realm of anything, you know, I've got friends of mine who've got a variety of specialities and they're like, oh, could you just do this thing just for me? You're a mate. And it's like, well, if I'm a mate, then you should be supporting my work. You should see how many hours I've put into perfecting this craft. You know, mm -hmm. even asking for a discount is kind of a bit of a eh, situation. But even if you're like, look, I really can't afford it, but I'd really love mm -hmm. you to do it. I'm willing to pay you. Can I get a bit of a discount? Okay, maybe you're all right with that. But that's really mates rates. But when it's like a proper friend, you should be wanting to support your friend. You'd be wanting to give them money for their cool stuff and help them do more cool stuff for other people. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm completely with you on there. Um, so what did you, um, if there's anything you could want people to experience before we do the final wrap ups and things, um, anything you want people to experience about Reburn or any sort of final words or thoughts on uh, Reburn before we get into plugs and stuff? I'm just really proud of it. Like I, and I'm not a person who says that a lot. You don't know me, you know, more than this hour conversation, but um, I'm just, I'm like proud that we did it and that we stuck with it. We have the same creative team. Um, and I think it's gorgeous. It is. The covers are unbelievable. The variants, like it's just, it's a really nice package. And you know, a couple of years ago or three years ago, Jess and I were having dinner or lunch saying like, oh, we should do this thing. And we did it. And I think that's something. I think sometimes we're so forward-looking, or I'll speak for myself, I'm so forward-looking that I don't appreciate what I'm doing in the moment. It's something I'm working on. <laughs> I'm very much of like, a, oh, I did it. What's next? I did it. What's next? I did it. What's next? You know, and then you're like, oh, what am I doing? 
So I'm actually trying to own like, we did this thing. It's great. And I am saying it. I think saying it out loud helps. Um, but it's a great story. And, and there are a lot of twists and issues three and four are really satisfying. Like in issue three, we go into the Citadel, which is like the capital of this um, society and we get Sky's backstory. Um, and then in issue four, we go and learn more about another character's backstory. And it's just, I'm really enjoying it. And like, I hope readers have that same experience of really enjoying it. And even my kids are like, what happens next? And I'm doing something right if teenagers are reading it. And like my friends, my kids' friends are reading it and they're enjoying it. So I will take well, yeah, amazing. I mean, there's not a better plug in the world for that. I mean, as you know, <laughs> you should be proud of it as well. I will clarify. You know, um, I've read quite a few comics in my day, and uh, <laughs> this doesn't feel like an independent comic. This feels oh, like if, if this was just like if this came up on Marvel Unlimited or DC Infinite, or whatever it's called, and it was just like, oh, here's a new thing. It's called Reburn. I'd start reading it, and I'd be like, this is sick. I wouldn't be like, hmm. This feels like it belongs in an indie pile. Nothing wrong with indie <laughs> comics, to clarify. There's plenty of incredible indie comics. But I want to clarify, in all mm. honesty, when reading it, it doesn't feel like something that's had a Kickstarter, which is nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it's a great accomplishment. I, I, I know. Thank you. I mean, I know what you're saying. People have said it reminds them of an image comic, which I take and hold dear. And I agree. It has that feeling because I think the art and the story. And like, mm. I, I appreciate that compliment, Mike. That means a lot. And there is a joke to be made that if you were reading it on Marvel Unlimited, you wouldn't be able to find it. Or you know, I guess <laughs> there's something about yeah. the re the redesign of it that you yes. can. There's a joke there. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. It's, but, there's a joke somewhere. Just pick yeah. it out where you will. It's somewhere <laughs> ethereally, just pick it out of the sky. Um, absolutely wonderful. I mean. This is quite funny because obviously we spoke about, I mean, we went on tangent about Star Wars, which I'm always up for. Um, yes, and- I figured. I mean, <laughs> you, have, you have that in the back, which is a prompt. Millennium Falcon in the back is a prompt. It's, it's a pretty good one. I mean, mm-hmm. when we next speak when I've got the house, then maybe I'll have to blur the camera because I might have a man cave when I do it. So, oh, and know, then I'll oh, feel very sad about yes. my background. <sighs> maybe just for you, I'll have to get like a drapes, like a blanket behind me that's just white. So I don't have a man cave, no. And you'll be like, but I watched recent episodes with you and you did. No, no, no. They would, that's a lie. It's a stock image behind me don't don't worry (laughs) but like there's so many like things that we could have spoken about i mean i've got so many notes here um about a great many things so all it means you're gonna have to come back to the show at some point i'm happy to come back this has been a lovely conversation i i was expecting to hit the notes i was like he's gonna ask me about the no we just just talked about what we talked about which is a this is a great conversation if you don't have to refer to your notes you know that it was a good conversation if you're like She's been talking about this a long time. Let's redirect. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, when when I first spoke with Tonya, I literally I had notes written, and we did yeah. one of them, which was the first thing I said, and then we nothing else. And then she was like, she was like, can we talk about more nerdy stuff and other things? I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I have to do another podcast. And then you know, I think I've still, if I went back to my because I've I've got everything physically written down, so I was like, I think if I went back to my OG original notes with Tonya, there's still two or three points we've never spoken about. And with yourself, I mean, you've got so many things that you've done which people may not be aware of i mean some of the notes i've got from a little bit of the research i did i mean you've got <laughs> the movie eve of understanding you've got the short uh, movie in search of you're also the pr- producer randomly which i found this on imdb shows my researching it's pr- <laughs> pr- producer on everyday italian 
which That's is right. which is incredible. I mean, my girlfriend's Italian. I'm learning Italian now. And I looked on oh, it and nice. it was like an Italian cooking show thing. So I was like, there are so many things and your comic book origin story. I didn't even ask about that. And there's loads of, we didn't even talk about co-writing, essays. So there's an abundance of things to talk about. So it means that I can, don't have to write more notes when you come on again because I can That's just right. you can do a little tick next to some of them. Exactly. <laughs> I'll put links in the show notes, but please tell everyone where they can find you. Tell them about your Instagram as well because that's delightful. Uh, and then I'll stop recording before you end the call. Okay, great. Um, well, our Kickstarter is live right now for issues three and four. I don't know when this is- this episode is going live. I think it'll still be It live. should be. It'll be this month. It'll be in not this weekend probably not next weekend the weekend after so it's the second to last week i'll post about social media anyway okay Um, so uh, yeah so it might still be so reburn but you can always check out our instagram reburn comic or our website reburn comic if you missed the the kickstarter you can see me on instagram and mike's right i actually feel comfortable there and do interesting things so twitter on the other hand not so much but my instagram is um by allison shelton which is a-L-Y-S-O-N, Shelton. Um, and interestingly enough, Mike, so the poetry thing I was mentioning, Tanya is coming on in a few weeks to oh, do amazing. a poem. So I'm really looking forward to that because I was on her podcast last year. I don't know. It was last year. During COVID. Um, and it was so wonderful talking to her. So I'm excited to have her on to see what she remembers because it's about kind of about childhood, the poem. So it's fun to hear people's recollections and of childhood and to talk to them about their process. So, um, yeah. And I'm, and I have essays on my link tree and I'm working on a memoir and I'm working on getting the screenplay ready to go out there. You know, it's just like you say, you're always doing work even when Mm -hmm. you're not working the fun work. I thought that was a really good point. Like, was that before we started recording? Um, how you just don't have, okay. I think so. <laughs> you know, how you don't have time to just do like homework fun thing. You know, it's like, if I actually have time where I'm not doing fun work or work work, I want to just be amused Yeah. or entertained. Um, and so I've actually realized recently, if I want to see my friends regularly, we need to collaborate certain friends. It's like, so we need to work on something together because then I will see you more often. Like, because Anjali, since she's been, she's such a great friend to Reburn. Like, she's really supportive and wonderful, and she's a wonderful person. Um, but since she's been doing that, I've seen so much more of her, which has been like such a such a joy. Where it's hard with our schedules otherwise, but it's like, oh, okay, we're going to do a signing. We'll show up for that. Yeah. So um, that has nothing to do with where you can find me, but. That's the story. It's a nice thing to say. I mean, I agree. I mean, there's the amount of conversations <laughs> I've had with Tonya, which is not, we didn't sit down with a topic. I need to talk to someone about this. I was just like, I need to talk to Tonya because she's awesome. So let's just get her on, figure out a vague subject, which is how I did the, the feminist uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Well, you <laughs> but, all took off with that though. Yeah. I mean, you get three women uh, and you talk to them about feminism. You're, you're going to have a conversation. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter what three women it is because that, even that word always brings up conversation. 
It does. Yeah, and it did. And a lot of people who listened uh, became Patreon supporters because we're releasing a part one and part two. Uh, Patreon, they get access to part two when part one drops. So a lot of people, like two people became Patreon supporters because they just needed to hear the second half of that. They did mainly say, it was awesome, but it was mainly because they just thought it was so funny how I was getting railed so badly. (laughs) Like I just had to hear the rest of it. I just thought it was so funny. You let Rhea, Tonya and Megan come on and they just slate you the whole time. I was like, yeah, it's part of the fun. I mean, you know, oh no, (laughs) a cisgender. 30 year old white man is being ripped on by a few women oh who is me <laughs> i can tell you you, you modeled really good behavior about how you can take those things and they don't hurt you or kill you it's not like it's okay yeah. if people have things that, to tell us we can hear them like you know my non-white friends if they have things they need to tell me that i've effed up i want to hear it yeah i don't want to be like oh just let me keep living in oblivion like where i think i'm this awesome person who everyone loves it's fine you can tell me if i'm an asshole like nicely which they did you know they weren't like mike forget you get out of here i mean they were, it, was, it was it was loving railing in my opinion wonderful i mean yeah i that agree sounds, definitely don't go out on that <laughs> oh i was gonna quick quickly <laughs> <laughs> well, like, oh that's a difficult phrase but, uh, well well people can find you it's fine it's fine well people can find you obviously at your website i'll put a link in the description um mm-hmm. allison with a y uh shelton and then your instagram is at by allison shelton as yep. well um yep. and yeah i mean there'll be there'll be a link tree link as well so be your website instagram and link tree which has got Thank all you. of the exciting stuff that you do uh and then i'll put a link to reburn as well and i will sing the praises about it on social media as well as i should because it's brilliant um and yeah i mean you're always welcome on the show um i'll talk to you very briefly after i stop recording um but i'll put (laughs) notes in the show notes and blah um about all that stuff but yeah just thank you for coming on it's been delightful um thanks for having me no problem at all thanks to tanya yeah for putting the two of us together she emailed me and was like i you know i like mike i think you two would have a good conversation she's like oh you know, I trust you if you think so, then I think so too. So she was right. That was basically the same thing I said to her. I was like, well, she was like, I hope you don't mind me recommending this person to you. And I was like, if you think they're cool, then I'll speak to them. I can't imagine that they're going to be awful if they're friends of Tonya. You know, she is, a, <laughs> I think Tonya has quite high standards. So if, yeah. if she considers you one of her friends, I think that's quite a big compliment. <laughs> Definitely is for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, Alison. It's been delightful. Thank you. Same. And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, my friends. Make sure you check out the details in the show notes. You've got the website to reburn. You've got the website for Alison Shelton herself. You've got her Instagram. You've even got the conversation that she had that she referenced in this with Tonya Todd. And so I've included a link to that as well. So loads of reasons to check out the show notes, as always, for all these episodes. And I will no doubt be having Alison Shelton on again, probably before the end of this year. So make sure you subscribe both to me on social media, but also to this podcast itself so you do not miss a beat. So what have we got coming up then? Well, next week I'm speaking to a gentleman who had an experience with psilocybin mushrooms, which completely changed his outlook on life. I don't want to give any more information than that, but it's a conversation I'm very, very excited for. And then the week after that, I'm speaking with a person who is an author. Uh, And then the week after that, I'm doing another edition of mine, Megan's, Rhea's and Dan's Disney discussions. So that's kind of like this cross podcast show that we're doing. We did the one where we spoke about our favorite Disney films. Then the next 
one we're doing, which we're going to be recording soon, will be some of the straight-to-home release sequels. So I believe we're doing Mulan 2, Aladdin 2, Lion King 2, and Bambi 2. So that's going to be a very interesting conversation there. And in addition to that, I'm going to be doing a conversation with Ben of Star Wars Timeline about Kenobi. So obviously we've got the Obi-Wan Kenobi show coming out at the end of May. And so me and Ben have decided we're going to have a conversation about Obi-Wan as a character, about our hopes and thoughts for this upcoming series, as well as some recommended reading, both in canon and in Legends, for anyone who wants to just pick up some stuff before checking out the show. So that's just a general idea of what we've got coming up as well. I've also was on an episode of Star Wars Timeline once again recently. So obviously I've been on there talking about accents in Star Wars. We centered around the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. And then I spoke to Ben last week and we focused on villains. So nothing to do with accents or anything, but it was just about the villains in Star Wars. So we spoke about, you know, what makes a villain, villains in some other franchises. And then we spoke about each of the trilogies and the villains in that. That is going to be on the feed of Star Wars timeline on YouTube. I believe the Monday after this comes out or might be the following week, but it'll be very, very soon after this comes out. And you can make sure that you subscribe to Star Wars timeline on YouTube so you do not miss any of those episodes that I appear in. But yeah, I would say if you want some additional content, please consider checking out my Patreon, patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. If you want a taster, you want a free episode, then you can go to bit.ly slash tomhanks1 and you'll be taken to mine and Megan's discussion on Big, which is the first of our big Tom Hanks watch. So we decided to watch pretty much every Tom Hanks movie that he's had like a major role in. We start with Big. Uh, we may go back to Money Pit and Splash, but we did Big. We've done Turner and Hooch, The Burbs, A League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle. So we've done quite a few and there's a couple of others and we're also due to do Philadelphia, Forrest Gump and Apollo 13 and some other ones. Some of these movies we've seen, some we haven't and so it's just quite exciting this year just watching loads and loads of Tom Hanks movies. So if you want to hear me and Megan talk nonsense for, you know, between 10 minutes and half an hour per episode about Tom Hanks movies as well as lots of the other stuff that we watch, there's TV series, there's movies and we also recently went to Malta for a week and we did an extra long 40 minute afterthought talking about our thoughts on Malta, what we did. So if you want a bit more insight into what me and Megan get up to more so what I get up to outside of podcasting and things, uh, then please consider checking out Patreon, uh, because if you go to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat, for as little as £1 a month, you'll get access to hours and hours of additional content. So you get at least one episode of Afterthoughts every single week. There's certain weeks you'll get two. You get early access to genuine chit chat episodes, and there's also lots of other cool things on there as well. So support the show, and you get loads of additional content. There's like 90-odd episodes of Afterthoughts on there. I also do Star Wars book reviews on there that I don't release on my Star Wars channel. Some are legends, some are canon so if you're interested by that as well it's a great way to support the show supporting me and helps fuel the podcast but that is going to be enough for me guys apart from to remind you please rate and review the show please share with your friends you know you can do it on good pods you can do it on spotify uh, the rating and things obviously you can share on any social media platform you can tell your friends about it in person any sort of way to get genuine chit chat out there really really helps out the show and i can get more and more incredible guests like alison shelton and obviously uh, two weeks ago i had kevin scott on that was incredible too and i've got plans to have many more interesting people like that over the coming year but thank you so much guys i appreciate each and every one of you listening especially all the way up to the end apologies for my croaky voice hopefully it'll be fine by the next podcast and uh, i will speak to you next week you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the comics in motion podcast mike burton